And as you get your Bibles out, I would like to extend uh, the welcome again. I want to tell you how encouraging it is to see each and every one of you that has come out this evening. It is such an encouragement when we think of the fellowship that we have together and to think of the brothers and sisters that we share so much with. When we think that we're the only ones going through some sort of trouble in our lives, we can know that we have brothers and sisters that share in the same troubles that we have and are more than than willing to talk with us and to remind us that we are not on our own. And that's what I hear from each and every one of you with your attendance here tonight, saying, I am here with you and we are going through this life together. And that's what we've been studying for the past little bit, our life together and the fellowship that Christ intended for us. And as I said this morning, we are going to wrap this study up this afternoon. As we began this morning, we studied the application side, things that we can do through uh, observing the Scriptures to nurture uh, the fellowship that we have in the local church. We noticed uh, the examples of the Epistle of James, where we found admonitions on things to avoid, like all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, uh, immorality, um, partiality, misuse of the tongue, selfishness and speaking evil of one another. But we also learn things that we need to be doing, things that are, that, are on the, that are proactive, things that are on the offensive when we think of the idea of trying to build fellowship amongst our, ourselves here at this congregation. We look at things such as viewing challenges as opportunities and, and praying for wisdom, maintaining proper perspectives about our situations, being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Practicing pure and undefiled religion, demonstrating wisdom by our conduct, praying for one another, and restoring the erring. Now the Scriptures not only teach by precept, but they also teach by example. And the example the early church provides us is insights in the way that fellowship can be strengthened. And that's what we want to look at this evening. The final lesson in our series on fellowship, the example that we see of the use of the home to build fellowship. Now, I believe the study of the New Testament church will show that the success both in evangelism and in building fellowship was partly due to their use of the home. Let me, uh, to, to help us better understand that, let's look at, let's get an understanding at the use of the home by the early church. And one of the first things we see is that the homes were used with much frequency. They were used a lot. If you want to turn over to, to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, we see the, the, the home being used by the church in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5, reading in verse 41 and 42. So they departed from the presence of the council, from the uh, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name, and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Here we see, especially in times of persecution, in Jerusalem the church was, was spreading in the house. In fact, what we see just before these passages was the, the apostles being pulled together, uh, basically kind of gathered up in a room and said, don't speak on this anymore. And threatening them. And if it weren't for the advice of this Gamaliel, who knows what would have happened to them. Uh, But we see that even in persecution, they come together and they gather together in homes to to help spread the gospel and to help build their fellowship. Also in, in Acts 12, we see another example of this. First in verse 5, we get a little bit of the context. In Acts 12, 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So uh, Peter, again, in a a position of great persecution, 
but the church is praying for him. Now in verse 12 we read, So when he had considered thus, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. The church was coming together when there was a need. They were gathering together in homes for the sole purpose of praying. Praying for those that were being persecuted. So we see the home is used quite frequently in Jerusalem in the early church. But that's not the only place we see it. We can also look at a, the example of Aquila and Priscilla over in Romans 16. <clears throat> in Romans 16, we, we have uh, mention of Aquila and Priscilla and the work they were doing with the, with the local church there in Rome. Verse three, uh, 16 verse 3, Read, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Then in verse 5, notice this, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved uh, Epinate, I, I can't say that word, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. <clears throat> We see an example here of Aquila and Priscilla housing a church, letting a church use their home for, for a meeting place, a place to come together and to worship God. We also see again in 1 Corinthians that this wasn't the only time that they opened their doors to the church. In 1 Corinthians 16, and in verse 19, The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla, greet, your heartily, greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So again, we see this example. And they're not the only ones that we see this in. We can also turn over to the book of Philemon. In the book of Philemon, we see that he himself was doing this. Uh, in verses 1 and 2 of this book, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend, and fellow laborer, to the beloved Ephiah, our, uh, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Yet just another example of, of, of a church being, or the home being used by the church. And of course, we can't forget Paul and the amount of work that he did in the, in the home. In Acts 16, excuse me, in Acts 20. In Acts chapter 20, we see Paul was no stranger to going into homes. Looking in verses, uh, in verses 17 through 21, we read, From Mildus he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful and proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly for, and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only was, was Paul uh, using the homes to, to further spread the gospel, but even in verse 28, or in chapter 28, we're going to see that his own home was always open to a Bible study. In 28 verses 30 through 31, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. I have this idea that Paul, when you went to Paul's house, you might as well come prepared to talk about the Bible. When you come over to Paul's house to visit, Paul was probably sitting there waiting for you with a message prepared for you. So the early church obviously used the home with great frequency. 
But we see as time progresses that this began to decline. We see it began to, to move away from this. We know that church buildings began to be built around the 2nd century. In fact, when Constantine, the, who was the emperor of Rome, when he was converted in 312 AD, he designated Christianity kind of this official religion of the empire. Everybody understand that this is our new official religion. And in doing so, he also gave many of the pagan temples to the Christians to use as meeting places. And this was okay. But before long, we see what happened. Before long, we see that people began to view the building as the church. They started to blur the lines of what Christ had built into this, this physical structure. Homes were not used as much as before. And most religious activity began to be centered around the building. And unfortunately, today, such is still the case, where most religious activity takes place at the church building. And I strongly uh, suspect that this shift of activity away from the home to to the church building, it helps contribute to the decline of fellowship among many Christians. And I want to show you why I think that. Using the home has always been an important part uh, of, of fellowship because there are limitations that are inherent in public worship. Public worship is certainly necessary, and it's certainly important, but we need to also realize that we have, we have already seen that these acts of worship, they, they are designated to nurture our fellowship, but there are limitations to the degree of fellowship we can have during our public assembly. See, we have limits on time. A couple of hours a week do not provide much opportunity to develop meaningful relationships between brethren. And especially since the time we actually spend talking to one another is just usually just a few minutes before and after services. You know, when we really stop and think about it, we, we usually are, are here for, on average, about five hours a week. Usually about two hours uh, Sunday morning. If, if you're here before class and, and stay till afterwards, you're here in the evening. Uh, three, excuse me, four hours. We're here about four hours a week. My math was never, my ta- was never good for me. So... In this time, it's hard for us to really get to know one another. It's hard for us to develop the love and the relationship we should have. Can you imagine your significant other if you were only able to spend with them four hours a week? How much you would truly know about them? How much you would truly be able to relate with them if you were only able to see them four hours a week? But we also see that there are limits on intimacy. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sheer numbers prevent us from spending much time with everyone. There's so many times when we get gathered together talking with someone, and the next thing we know, we've, we've missed someone that we wanted to talk. They snuck out the door. And it's not saying anything on them shooting out the door, but rather the fact that we just are so engaged with, with someone that we, that we truly know and we love, and we're trying to have this conversation, and we see that oftentimes that takes away our focus on, on everybody else. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it, if we are to gather together in our homes, we can see that we can spend a few more minutes with one another. We can, spend, we can sit down and have some opportunities to grow in our knowledge and what makes each other tick. If our fellowship is simply limited to what takes place at the church building, if this is the only time that we really enjoy fellowship, well then the fellowship that we have is going to be pretty shallow. Because we simply just don't have enough time and we don't have enough intimacy to truly have that, that planting and strong roots taking up in our lives, uh, intertwining uh, us with one another. And the fact is, homes, they, they make this a possibility. Homes extend the opportunity for fellowship. We do have more time when we invite someone over to our house to talk. Sometimes we forget that 
you know, we are Christians, but we are also friends. And there's no reason why we can't invite one another just to come over and to have a conversation and to enjoy one another. I had the opportunity to, to meet with Eric this afternoon and get to meet his dogs, or should I say his horses. And it was such a, a wonderful opportunity to meet with him and just to talk and just to be friends. We also have an opportunity to study, an opportunity to pray with one another. These are things that we shouldn't be, uh, that we should be taking advantage of. Excuse me, the the informal and the personal atmosphere that the home allows uh, more intimacy. It allows for that when we're we're not you know bound behind the suit and tie. We're able to see one another. We're able to to be close to one another, become better acquainted, and to be beyond a mere formality. And then in doing so, this helps us to have a better understanding of one another. Also, we can see that this provides opportunities to ask questions and provide answers, to study together. Sometimes we get together with someone and find out that, as I said earlier, that problem that we're going through, they're going through the same problems. We have an opportunity to encourage one another, or maybe they're going through a problem we had no idea they were going through, but because we had them into our home, or maybe they had us into their home, we have that opportunity to truly learn the problems that are, that are going on, or even the, the wonderful things that are going on in our brothers and sisters' lives, that we can encourage them, or in some way lift them up. So it should be easy for us to see that the opportunities for meaningful fellowship, they can be increased through the use of the home. And to encourage this idea further, here are some suggestions on how to use the home to build fellowship. And the first one is to practice hospitality. We are commanded in 1 Peter 4.9, if you want to turn over there, 1 Peter 4.9, we are commanded to be hospitable. Or we read, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Certainly not all have the same ability to provide hospitality. Some people may be able to have the whole entire congregation over to their house at one time. Others may be able to have one or two families at the most, and that might even be pushing it. But we also see that there are those that may provide the best opportunity for hospitality by simply just taking someone out for dinner. It doesn't always have to be at your house. Just the opportunity to take time to be with one another, to take time to to share with one another. And that's exactly what this idea of fellowship is. This joint participation. But we also see in 1 Peter that to, what, uh, to a certain degree, we should always be fruitful in this area. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So when we look at the gifts that we have in our life, when we look at the blessings, whether it be from a nice home, or whether it be from a, even an abundant wallet to be able to afford to take someone out. Whether it be just from the opportunity to, to have a good ear. Now, I, that's something that's sometimes hard for me because I want to run my mouth. Holly has a really good job at just listening. She does that so well. And so whatever this gift is that we have been given by God, we give thanks to Him, but then we also use it to spread that grace and to spread that gift around to others. Even if we engage in hospitality only on the social level, it can help to increase the levels of communication in which spiritual fellowship can occur later. But I want you to consider the the use of your home as a place for things such as home Bible studies for new converts. As a place for ongoing studies with other Christians and periodical devotions, singings, prayer meetings. How many times have we gotten together for a prayer meeting? I know that's something that in all the congregations I've ever visited, is something that is sometimes overlooked. 
the power of prayer and the time that we can spend together from just that single purpose of praying for the congregation, praying for one another, for an individual thing, praying for the country. These are examples that we see in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that the church was doing in the early days of Christianity that sometimes we tend to kind of overlook and forget about. We need to remember the excuse me. We need to remember the example that Aquila and Priscilla set, left for us, who offered the use of their home for the work of the church wherever they lived. Whether, whether it was when they were in Rome or in Corinth, we see that they were always open to opening their home to others. But the next side of this is this engaging in visitation. Sometimes uh, hospitality it doesn't work because people tend to forget it's a two-way street. We must be willing to accept invitations by others and visit them. Have you ever been maybe invited somewhere and it's, well, that's, that's okay, I, I'm, I'm going to pass this time. And, and, and maybe you invite someone and they say, no, I can't make it. And you invite them again and no, I, I still can't make it. Sometimes we limit the amount of fellowship that we can have simply because we don't want to make time to accept someone's uh, offering of, of hospitality. Sometimes hospitality is, is, is in fact, not practiced at all because of this lack of acceptance of invitation. So we should always make an effort to not only accept the invitation, but to practice this visitation. That word visitation, when I hear it, I always think of funeral. And then I always think of family members going, how come we only see you when someone dies? How can we only see you at a funeral? And so that, I think that's because in our minds we have a tried visitation to funeral. But visitation is something that we should be taking part in in all manners of our, in all days of our life. When someone is sick, both at home or at the hospital, we should take advantage of that to visit with them. When someone is new in the faith, uh, whether it be a new member to, uh, of the congregation, or whether it be someone who has been in the congregation for a while but just has now accepted Christ, we should take an opportunity to try and visit with them. And especially those who are spiritually weak, those who are suffering, we need to take every opportunity that we can, that we are trying to open doors that, that lead towards a more growing fellowship amongst ourselves. In fact, as we read this morning, James 1.27, practicing pure and undefiled religion, we need to make ourselves available to be of service to those who have such needs such as that, those who are, are poorer than us, uh, whether it be... Uh, simply in, in monetary needs, or whether it be in a physical or a spiritual sense. We need to open ourselves up to trying to grow this fellowship that we have amongst us. More could be said, much more could be said on this point, but I hope that it is evident that it will be an expedient to us in the use of our homes when we think of the idea of facilitating growth and fellowship. Christ intends His church to have this fellowship. And anything that we can do to help that fellowship grow is something that, that we should make as, our, as one of our primary spiritual goals. But one, uh, one thing that facilitates through this practical meaning, like, like hospitality and, and like visitation, are things that we simply cannot see through our life together, but things that need to be extended Things that need to be extended beyond the walls of this building. Things that need to be extended beyond the fewest hours that we assemble together for public worship. 
So finally, I want to point one more thing out and that I hope will, will help stimulate uh, our thinking on these things. And this is something that, that we ourselves have struggled with, something that we needed stimulating on as well. We need to ask ourselves, are we, while we may be a friendly congregation, are we a hospitable congregation? Because sometimes we get these things, we get them confused. Sometimes we think, look how friendly we are. And when, when hospitality is something that is not even close to growing amongst ourselves. And the distinction should be evident. Friendly describes something that does take place within the church building. But hospitality is something that goes on in our everyday lives, that goes on in our home, that goes on in, on, on our lunch break, that can even simply go on in a, in a quick text message or phone call. Hospitality is something that requires an action outside of the congregation. So we look around, we see the Lord has blessed us in all various degrees with our, with our homes. Let's be these wise stewards that He intends for us to be, and let's use them to the glory of God. Let's use them to the enrichment of our life together. Now, as I said this morning, fellowship doesn't, isn't necessarily the prime concern for one who is outside the body of Christ, for one who has not yet accepted Christ as their Savior, who has not confessed that He is the Son of God, and who has not obeyed Him through a bab, uh, baptism. But don't let that stop you from, from realizing that there is a fellowship that you are missing out on. The fellowship amongst us might not be, or is definitely not there, but the fellowship that is so much more important than that is the fellowship that you're missing out on with God. So if there be something that we can do for you this evening, whether it be something along the lines of, of coming to Christ, of, of giving yourself to Christ, or whether it be something along the lines of repenting of a sin, making a, a public sin uh, uh, confessed before the congregation or simply just saying, I need help and I need a prayer. Won't you please make that known to us now as we come forward and sing the song of invitation.